everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. How you doing, everybody? Today, we're ditching the training wheels for a product that will have you feeling like Fred Flintstone behind the wheel. That's right, it's Kazam Bikes. No, not the Shazam movie, which I've actually never seen, but I take offense to the name in principle. Anyway, let's get into it. But first, a quick ad from the folks who keep the audio on. There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey, but there is the all-new Service Hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead and give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Today in the tank, we have Kazam Bikes. And Kazam Bikes comes to us from Mary Beth Lugo. And she is looking for $300,000 for 20% in her business, which is a $1.5 million valuation. So essentially, Kazam Bikes is a balanced bike that is meant to revolutionize the way that kids are riding. So it's a pedalless bike that young kids mount. And then instead of pedaling on pedals. They use their feet to kind of drag themselves forward and then get a sense of like the bike while it's rolling. Yeah. yeah. It's a bike without pedals and is a balance tool. And remember when you used to go over to your friend's house and instead of fully going on the pedals, you kind of would just scoot with your feet a little bit to go to where you need to. That's mm. what it is. Nostalgia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bought a balance bike two weeks ago for my daughter. <gasps> Tell us everything. Two weeks ago. Was it a Kazam? No. In fact, never heard of Kazam. I was so bummed. I was like, a balance bike pitch. And I was like, Kazam? The name's Kazam. Kazam. (laughs) Okay, so pricing-wise then, is this within the range typically? This is cheap for a balance bike. Okay. I bought a premium balance bike. Okay, you got to break down those numbers because what are we working with? Well, I bought a Womb. It's like the Womb Plus. Don't love that branding. No? What's amazing Mm -hmm. because it's an accurate, like no matter which way you look at the logo, like the W and the M are just flipped upside down and it's OO in the middle. So no matter which way you look at it, the word stands. Oh, because it goes womb. womb. And the bike goes womb. <laughs> the womb plus costs, it's 300 bucks retail. Wow. So, and she's charging a hundred bucks. So the thing about balance bikes is this woman is on the money about it. The hardest thing about learning to ride a bike is actually learning how to balance on two wheels. And you have to learn how to get it going with enough velocity and momentum that the wheels keep you balanced. We're going to get into physics here. As wheels spin, there's a concept called torque. And torque is basically a force that exists on a perpendicular angle to a spinning wheel. And so that's why once you get a bike spinning, you stay balanced really easily, right? Mm -hmm. And so balance bikes are way more effective than training wheels. wheels. (laughs) Because training wheels teach you how to pedal, not how to balance. And so, yeah, it's basically a bike without pedals. And it's got a little place for your feet. So it's kind of like a scooter, but you sit on it. And you push off with your feet, and then you balance. And it's awesome. My daughter's ridden it twice. And she's already like half figured it out. It's amazing. Nice. And yeah. it's Fast interesting because like in oh. oh I went all over the place there. I, no, I no. loved it. Honestly, the, the John Dick PhD TED talk on Torque, we're keeping it. Let's like, talk about Torque. Absolutely. Yeah. I love amazing. Torque. 
But it was interesting because I feel like I had never seen anything like this before, but the founder is like really straightforward of this is popularized in Europe. It's just really in the U.S. that smaller businesses are kind of creating this. So she had mentioned there's only like five to six competitors. So it's a bit of a fragmented market. But knowing that there's like the proof of concept, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I can kind of see this. It's just not popularized in the U.S. yet. So I love the idea, but... My only piece that I have to give some gripe to is while she is early to the U.S. market, knowing that there are other competitors on the market, she's going to need more than just a patent to stand out. So I was actually a little bit hesitant to get behind this product at first because I just don't think there's enough product differentiation there for her to be a category lead. This is my thing too, Ariel. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. She may have a great product, but it's a super fragmented market. Her margins are not super high because she's trying to compete on price. Mm -hmm. Basically, what balance bikes are trying to do is they're trying to create a new category of bike for kid. Mm -hmm. And like, that's how you compete with something like training wheels. As you say, training wheels are out and there's a new category of thing that's called balance bike. And if you want to win in category creation, the absolute key to it is to name that category something very similar to what you're named, right? That's kind of what you're known for. Then you get some brand association. You kind of want balance bike (laughs) to be your name or something with balance in it. Kazam! That's my problem, actually, is like it's just too far afoot from the actual category that she's trying to help create here. Yeah, kind of steering in the wrong direction. Yeah. I hear you, Ariel. I hear that fun. (laughs) What would make you feel confident in investing in a business like this? How essentially is she going to convince the average mom and dad to not pay $19 for training wheels and instead invest $200 on an entirely new bike that takes up space in the garage or in your storage or in your shed? I don't think there's enough there to kind of break her apart. What about you, John? I think her big challenge is it's a super fragmented market, and I think it's going to be very competitive. Mm. I started to think, well, what would have made her really successful? And I thought, like, well, actually, she probably needs to get going with all those mommy bloggers who Mm -hmm. are super focused on price and value. I would consider rebranding it away from the name Kazam, maybe to something a little more (laughs) balanced bike oriented. And I would just stick to balanced bikes. I would have loved to see her actually take this product into like the OT space or playgrounds or schools Mm -hmm. first, like being able to kind of test that route out first. And then you get the word of mouth, you get the mommy blogs. That's like, oh my God, I took my kid into OT and look at this cute little bike. I'm going to post this on Instagram and then go into direct to consumer at that point and just mark it up significantly. You have your wholesale price and then you have your actual like retail price. Yeah, that makes sense. Another major moment in this pitch was, okay, I actually took a lot of umbrage with Barbara, and Barbara is usually my favorite, but I had Big Opinions capital O because Barbara was like, you know, I like this product, but I don't feel the fire of entrepreneurship in you. This founder was a bit more Mm soft-spoken and a bit more just kind of level with her presentation. There wasn't like over-enunciation or hand-flapping. She was just like giving her presentation. And I actually thought that this was a case where we saw a clear example of extrovert bias in business Mm. because it seemed like the sharks were looking for the founder to present in a kind of way. And I get that you want to like make sure that your entrepreneur was excited. And I think we've seen cases where the entrepreneur was just not prepared, but I actually did not get that vibe from this founder. She was very well prepared. She was very articulate. Mm -hmm. She really knew the numbers and the industry. And I was really curious about your thoughts on that because that actually made me not like Barbara a little bit. So 
I'll be super transparent. That is similar feedback that I've received early on in my career too, is that I come across as very just calm to the numbers. I don't consider myself being a super competitive person just in general. So I do think there is some truth to what Barbara was getting at. When you're a founder and entrepreneur and you're evaluating who you're going to invest with, you really want to make sure that your partner is going to be all in or if not more excited than you. Mm -hmm. So I do agree with you, Jory, that there probably is a little more of that bias coming into play of being more introverted, but I actually think the founder was able to turn it around. Yeah, I think it was total extrovert bias too, yeah. Jory. I think That's like- so bad bias. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. Well, this, is, this is like a Barbara thing. Barbara's like the most impressive person and totally incredible, mm -hmm. but she's got this one Achilles heel, which is like, if you're not giving everything up mm -hmm. or like a certain type of personality, Screaming. she's like, I'm not investing in you. You don't have it. Like you must not want it enough. Like I had to yeah. want it and you need to want it more. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. This woman can't lose this deal because you don't think she's like. Exciting She's like has nailed every response. You have given offers to people who don't know their numbers yeah. as much as her. Mm -hmm. Every shark was like, wow, you really knew every single number that we asked you. And you really have a great sense of your business and mm -hmm. how you're going to scale it. And you're just looking for some money to help scale and grow, but, but I don't like you. Yeah. So I'm just not going to invest. <laughs> Thankfully she did pivot and she was like, okay, like, what do I need to do? And I get it. She was ultimately able to turn the tables, but it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. I'm also introverted. So seeing that so clearly play out, I was just like, oh, like, cause I've seen that in my career too. But ultimately Mark and Barbara were swayed by her passion and offered $300,000 for initially 40% the founder was able to get it down to 32%. So ultimately, they didn't listen to your strategic opinions, John. They did introduce multiple products to their line since airing on Shark Tank. So now okay. Kazam is the proud producer of child bike seats, training bikes with pedals. They have helmets and pads and so much more. Yeah, instead of being the number one market leader in balance bikes, they are right. not anywhere on the grid for a whole slew of childhood biking products. Why even do that? Why not just own the balance bike market? Be number one. We looked at the review sites. Kazam's not anywhere to be seen. They could have been number one on Wirecutter and all these places. Yeah. Interesting. Well, as of November 2022, their annual revenue is $5 million. So very much still around, but clearly not getting the customer acquisition cost to get John interested. So, uh, <laughs> you know, can't win them all. Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, meh, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite. Create Like the Greats, hosted by Ross Simmons, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each episode hosts an in-depth analysis of some of the greatest creations and creators of all time, along with deep dive conversations on the creative process that went into building companies and brands. If you like learning about history or learning about the creative process, you'll like this podcast. Listen to Create Like the Greats wherever you get your podcasts.